0: For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Welcome into the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Freeman. As always, I'm one of the co-hosts of the Locked On Pacers podcast. And for the first time in a long time, I'm back to doing a solo podcast. I know you guys all miss me. I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, today, I am breaking down Miles Turner's season. I'm going to do a summary of it, what I like, what I didn't like, where he could improve, his role next season. And I might even bring on a special guest for a couple minutes to end the show, who's uh, the biggest Miles Turner fan that I know that isn't in Pacers Twitter world. Without further ado, let's get to today's podcast. So let's start with the summary. I think Turner's season can be summed up in a tale of like three seasons. I mean, really three parts to his season. So we'll start with the first part, which was his first 18 games or so from the start of the season until basically around Thanksgiving time and before he missed his first game with some injury. Uh, he got a few this year. I can't remember which one this was. At this point, he was averaging, I believe, 11 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, and shooting 46 from the field and 20% three. He was having a pretty miserable season. Now, at this point, he had still improved defensively. You could definitely see the uh, the payoffs from a better body that he got in the summer and the work he had done. He was averaging 2.6 blocks per game, and he was still anchoring one of probably at this time the best defenses in the NBA, and he was doing a really good job at it. So despite his offensive woes, he was still defensively a stalwart, one of the best five, ten defensive players in the league, or at least rim protector-wise. Um but his shots were down. He seemed like – it seemed like he would basically just improve defensively and had not even worked on his offensive game and it was not coming around. But the Pacers were fine. Uh, the first 18 games, they, I think the Pacers ended up like 12-6. and six. I mean, they were they were fine. It didn't matter really to the team. Um, they, were, they were winning plenty of games. Like, it didn't affect him how bad he was playing. But after the injury, things turned. All of a sudden, there's this stretch from a, a November 26 until his next set of games that he missed – in uh, early January, where he just shot through the roof. Um, Old missed, I believe, his 11 games during this run, but Turner averaged 15, nearly 15 points per game on 8.7 rebounds on a 55% shooting and 52.5% from three. Um, I think this might be the greatest 20-game run of Turner's career, I would dare to say. Uh, it was incredible. Um, if you even extrapolate that thing out to... If we make it a good 35-game run, you're looking at a 35-game run of still 15 points per game, 7.8 rebounds on 53, 47, 70 shooting splits. I mean, that's if that turner had brought it for 80 or 70-something games he played, um, that's probably an all-star level center because of his defense, and that's probably a guy you're thinking, oh, this guy's somebody you can build around. I mean, he was taking, I guess, only 2.73s per game at 11.2 shots, but you're thinking this guy's your number two option on a maybe a championship team, at worst case, third option. But, obviously, that is not really who Turner is in that sense. Um, he's somewhere not where he was as bad to start of the year, but not as good as he was mid-year. And he's somewhere in the middle, and that's where you kind of get his last 21-game um, stretch from late February until the end of the season, where he was good. 13 points a game, 7.7 rebounds on 43-35 shooting. Now, his shooting percentage is not great, great, but it's not terrible. This is the player Turner is. I think he's more of a... High forties to mid forties percent shooter for a center, that's not great, but for a center who takes threes. He's taking about three and a half threes per game by this point, and that's about a third of his shots. And shooting thirty six percent of him in three is uh is positive. I mean, that's that's a player who is probably your third or fourth best option on a championship team. And considering his defense, you don't necessarily need him to have like these 20, 25 point game explosions. You just need him to be the really good defensive player that he is. Now, do I think his defense is not as valuable as he was a great offensive player? Yes. I think I think there is so much value in having a really good offensive player in terms of the way defenses and other teams respect you. Um, you know, there's a lot of guards in this league who are considered top-level players, and they're really not very good defenders. Um, but for a center-wise, Turner is in the top five of defensive centers. I mean, I'm thinking the Go Bears, the Embiids. I don't know where you put Giannis. He's in that range of defensive player, probably like the step below. But in that level... Um, and that kind of event is so valuable, but, you know, they say defense wins champions, but we haven't really seen the full um, translation of his great defense leading to great playoff success. And that's kind of where the last part of the season was, and he didn't really have a great playoffs, I thought. Um, I'm going to pull up his numbers real quick from those games. But if you look at it, it was not a not a great year for Turner in the playoffs, another kind of mediocre run. Um Obviously, the Patriots didn't win a game, so that doesn't help. But if you look at his playoff stats real fast, as I'm pulling them up as I'm trying to talk, great podcasting, um, he averaged 9.8 points per game on 40-21-61 shooting. He took a total of 8.8 shots per game. I mean, this was by far his worst playoffs. Um, Even though I thought he wasn't great in the playoffs last year, he— Averaged 12.4 points on 61-42 shooting, and so that's incredible. That was, I mean, there's a nice stat line now. I think game to game, he was shaky. Um, the thing about the playoffs, too, is his shots go down. I mean, he, he averaged about, I think, about 10 to 11 shots per game. During the, rest the season, it was more like 7.7 last year and uh, 8.8 this year. And so, I mean, I think there's a certain playoff assurgency you don't see from Turner. He gets into foul trouble. He aver- He's averaging nearly four fouls a game in the playoffs. Um, versus the rest, he was having more like two and a half to. I mean, his peak was two point. Was it was three point two two years ago or three years ago now? Um, the thing with Turner is, offensively, he has probably not gotten any better than he was three years ago. But defensively, he's gotten so much better, and it's one of those things where there's not any paper stats that show that value, but you can see it if you watch the games. And that's kind of my biggest thing with Turner and his biggest flaw and biggest need to improve where it is is that. He needs to become an offensive player who has a move, a go to move, a whatever it is, something that is makes him distinguishable that you can rely on him to go to, to score points, because it feels like he doesn't have that. It feels like he's a mediocre to okay three point shooter. He can sometimes get guys off the dribble depending on who the big man is. He can sometimes run the pick and roll. He can sometimes get out of him, but it's like he has like a move, you know. You can't, you know, even like Roy Hibbert back in the day and by far not on a as a player, but he was the kind of guy, you knew you could feed him in a low post, and he could do a little back down, throw up, you know, five foot, two point shot, and could make it at a decent rate, and in the playoffs, especially that was like a Pacers bread and butter for him. They would, he would average like 28, I think he was averaging like 20 plus points a game in some of the big playoff series where Hibbert was, because he was just like, you kept feeding him down low, he kept feeding the ball, and he kept scoring, and Turner needs to have something like that. Now, is his, Biggest offensive strength, he's just a three-point shooter, and if he can just become a consistent three-point shooter who shoots five, six, seven of the game, that might be it. That might be the solution to this whole problem. But until he develops some kind of like go-to um, consistent offensive move, he's going to be held back offensively, which is going to hold him back in general. Because he is such a good defensive player, he, he will never not be on the court. Like, nice, i are not going to not play. I'm not going to play as a bonus over him at times because he's such a valuable defensive player. But it's holding him back from really becoming an all star, from becoming talked about as one of the best centers in the league. I mean, you know, I'm not saying he needs to have jaw and B level just post play, but like maybe Gobert level post play. I mean, just something where he can, like, you can rely on him. And, you know, I wonder if this will be, that will be, you know, for the past two or three off seasons, I've consistently kind of harped on, okay, what's he going to do? Is he going to. Improve his shot. He's going to improve this part of his game. Well, last summer he clearly hit the gym and he clearly worked on his defensive movements and not being a liability. Because I think he learned from the playoff series against the Cavs that he has to be able to be switched onto a smaller player and play defense. And he certainly could do that. Now I'm not saying he's perfect at it, the greatest player at it, but he was he was certainly very good at it. And that kind of skill set defensively becomes huge because he's seven foot long arms. And he has good if he has good feet and be able to guard guards. All of a sudden, I mean, defensively, it's like he can do everything. I mean, he becomes the one of the most valuable defensive players because he's got size, so he can guard anybody big, small. Um, I remember there was a play this year where he got switched on Devin Booker. Booker kind of tried to go around the rim and lay it in Turner recovered on him and swatted against impending and against the glass. I mean, that's the kind of thing he couldn't do two years ago. So whether it's just, you know, changing his focus from his defensive, whatever he works on, to working on his three-point shot more, working on his more on some kind of post-move, per se, I mean— He's got to stop shooting long twos. Maybe it's just court awareness. I mean, I think his biggest problem, I would say, is that he also took a lot of, like, these 18, 20-foot twos, and part of that might have been Nate McMillan not kind of telling me he didn't have to do that. But, like, what's the point of taking a 20-foot shot when a 23-foot shot is worth one more point and it's probably the same percentage? I mean, he only took 2.63s per game, and if he's in the today's NBA, that needs to be at five. I mean, let's be honest. And I don't know if they're waiting until they have a coach who can really be kind of up his ass telling him he has to be able to. He has to take five of the game and not take the 20-footers, but that's something he's got to change. Maybe it's something he's got to do himself because the coaches aren't motivating him because he taking those 20-foot shots is useless and not as valuable, and the Patriots used to play a lot of close games, and a, you know, extra point or two here and there is really important for the team. So, he, I mean, that's where I would, I see him needing to improve the most. Um, another thing I liked about Turner this season, though, um, is he continues to be a good locker room whatever you want to call it, guy for the team. Um, you know, Old Depot got hurt. Whatever it was, he still brought it every night. He was definitely part of that class of leadership guys, I would say, like that. Yeah, I mean, really, all the guys on the team really kept it going. There was no feeling down or sad for themselves because Old Depot got hurt. They all kind of brought it at a level. But he was part of that, and he, as he's one of the leaders of the team now. I mean, he's going to be – especially because there's a roster turnover this off season. He's going to be looked at as one of the leaders. I mean, he's now entering his fifth year. He's entering that big contract. He's now going to be the second-highest-paid player on the team. Probably will remain that way next year, barring some major trade, maybe the third-highest play. But he's going to be looked at as, like, he's the number two or three guy on this team. And he's going to have to continue to, you know, be a guy. And I think it will be important, especially for the younger, younger guys, so whoever they draft with their pick, um, whether that's Aaron Holiday, too, developing as well. These are all things he's going to need to do next season. And, it's going to, and hopefully— that's where he kind of continues to help other guys improve in a way that helps the team overall. I mean, whether it's the po- the positivity of like maybe he gets benched for the most of the times, like just being able to still be a positive player and not be bitter about where he's put in certain moments or whatever it is. You know, if he's playing at last five minutes or not, because assuming the Pacers don't trade to Bush, I'm not sure they will. Next year is the year where they decide. I mean, I think they. If they don't trade Sabonis, they try to resign him, and then they, make a, they have the 2-1 contracts, and they make a decision of which one is our guy, and, and they play them a lot together, or whatever it is, and he's gonna have to figure out how to do that too. I mean, I don't know how he's able to play bonus, but he's gonna figure out how to make that work if he wants Sabonis to still be on the team in two years. So, that's where they're kind of at with him. You know, contract-wise, I don't think his contract is an albatross. I think it's, he's probably the most fairly paid player on the team. Um, I think 18 million, 16, 18 million is right right what he's worth Um, obviously he could exceed that if he ends up becoming a better offensive player he all of a sudden could exceed that that value but I think he's perfectly paid right now for his skill set I think that's good for the patient I think that's why they probably don't end up training him anyways because I think he's properly paid and maybe Bones bonus is properly paid too but I feel like the bonus is somebody who could be looking at saying well if you look at my extrapolated stats if I played 36 minutes or whatever it was I'm not going to play that many but if I played more minutes I would have better stats and I'd be a better contracting you know I always felt like Turner's contract mirror image was going to be Capella's of five years 90, and I think Sabonis could be heading that way, um, depending on how it is. Now, maybe Sabonis signs the same contract as Turner, and then they just both are on the same deal. They want to stay together. That's part of the whatever agreement, or that's the talk. I don't know. I mean, there, there, something's got to happen with the Turner and Sabonis because they're, whatever it happens, they're not getting the maximum value out of that player because they can't play them together, right? I mean— even if Sabonis and Turner are both good independently, you need five guys at the end of games with team needs, and if they can play on the court together. There's a lot of value in that, and if you can flip one of Turner or Sabonis for one of those guys, that becomes value. Now, I, think, I still think you'll lean towards Sabonis and keep Turner because of his contract, because of his status on the team, because of his, his defense. It's just so good. I mean, I don't know how you, try to, how you replace it even with Sabonis, but there is a chance next year, depending on how Sabonis plays, that that could change. I mean, that could easily change Panel on what contrast bonus gets and all that stuff. So, I think this is another big offseason for Turner. He's still super young. He's only entering his 23rd year old season. So, it's it's another big offseason for him, and he needs to continue to improve. And I think, you know, at some point, he becomes the player he is. And this year, I kind of became resigned to that fact. But maybe just maybe he can become even a better player. I mean, we've seen guys kind of develop in their in their mid 20s. Early to mid-20s, it happened the Depot. He kind of developed around, really, 25. So there is hope for Turner that he could somehow develop offensively and become the player we all want him to become. I've all thought he could become the player that Larry Bird said could be the best player in the NBA. I'll take a quick break, and like I said, I'll have the most ardent Turner supporter I know.
0: Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Fraser each week on the podcast. Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.
2: Welcome back in the Locked on Pacers podcast. So I teased a guest before and I'm bringing on... Because we must know we're in off-season mode when I do this. Bringing out my girlfriend, Marina Higuera, has been on, what, fourth, fifth time now?
3: A couple in-season times, too. Wow. Well, Not just off-season in are, We are in off-season mode.
2: Ugh. Just going to do... So, she is a huge Miles Turner fan, I would say, at mm-hmm. the least. Um, You know, I know... Not I'm, as a
3: player, just... A, 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 I love him.
2: I know, you like Turner as a person, which is great. I mean, he's, he's a great guy. So... There is definitely this divide. Um, let's put this clip um, nicely on Twitter, because there's a, there's a decent based Twitter community. You know, there's yes. a, it's not like Lakers or Knicks Twitter, but it's strong and it's I loud know. and it's active.
3: It seems very active.
2: Um, they're yeah. they they're, they're divided on Miles Turner. You know, there's a group of people who will defend him until they're until they're dead, essentially. That he the Turner is the is great, nothing he can do is wrong. Then there's a group who sees him as. Not living up to the hype or whatever it is, and that they should trade him every minute, and that every time it's a mistake they highlight it. And obviously I think Turner falls somewhere in between. So where, it's
3: more like that than choosing him or he's Sabonis. the most. I would is say he's. Is that the argument? Or is I would the say, he, well, like I think part of it. He's worth the money or not worth the money.
2: I think. He, I think it's a little bit of both. So I think the bonus part of it. So you're a Sabonis fan, you also feel that way about Turner in a way. I think oh, he's the most divisive, pacer player.
3: No, I think Bojan is
2: no, no, no just, not divide. It's yeah, personally. Okay. okay. My
3: personal opinion. But
2: not to... De- but like, I'm pretty sure Turner's the most divided because you get so many different opinions for him. Yeah. And that's why. Um, so you are the one I, I, in fact, talk to the most who's a fan of him. Yes. So what would you want to see Miles Turner improve next season?
3: Um, okay, you can't. Well, make, I was remind- What?
2: You have to talk on the podcast. You I can't know. just make noises.
3: You gave me like 0. 0.8 seconds to say anything. That's disappointing. Anyways. Uh I was reminiscing on last year's one that we did for the same reason and talking about like, oh, is he even gonna be able to stay healthy the whole season? And he did, proud of him for that, right? He did stay healthy the whole time. Mainly, yeah.
2: He missed a few games there, were nothing that was like major, had a cup you know, occasional little back spasm, I think, and uh
3: yeah. in the injury. But he wasn't bit. out for No,
2: no. No weird extended period of time, like an elbow injury or a concussion. Or I guess
3: the only thing I would say I want him to do is to be able to. Uh, how do I phrase it correctly? I get really disappointed when people are like, "Oh my God, Miles Turner is great at blocks, and he's like one of the league leaders in so many of these statistics." And we can I swear we hate him. Am I allowed to? No. Okay. Um, I don't know what it takes to, like, convince people that not – I'm not, like, one of those crazy fanatic people as much as I say that I like him. I'm not going to defend everything that he does. And I don't know how much he was paid for his contract. Adam's looking at the time like, please stop rambling. I have no idea what I'm trying to say. Um, it seemed like a lot of money to me. For someone that gets a So you want him to live to
2: his hype of his contract. Yeah, right? I guess. I think I said in the last time that he's the most fairly but. paid pacer <laughs> player, which, which means that like I th- you want him to live above his contract almost. Like almost like mm-hmm. Old Depot who Old Depot makes about twenty million a year, which is for an NBA player, actually low for a guy of his right. caliber. Guy yeah. his caliber make about thirty. So Turner making eighteen means he's in that level of like, you're good, yeah. you're not great.
3: But you're you're above average but yeah, you're, you're, not, you're
2: like you're a top 60 NBA player but you're yeah. not you're not one of those guys where if you're on the court I'm always thinking about you where you're where you're at I'm thinking that you can make a big difference I'm thinking of you as the guy who fits in a, in a role and plays your role really well
3: I don't even know if it's like exceeding his contract payment so much as like doing I don't know what it would take to make people say he's for someone removed from the community who mostly just sees Tony's tweets flooding every time there's a game of miles and like screenshots of his progress or like from the Pacers or whatever of him being like, like he's there to block, right? He's really tall.
2: Defensive, player to play defense. Yes. Yes.
3: Like he's good at that. Like he's great at that. So like, do, do people just want him to be more dynamic and be, like, really great offensively? Or, like, what will yeah. it take to... Yeah, okay. he needs to
2: develop an offensive game. That's his biggest thing. If he can develop some kind of consistent offensive move, <laughs> which says that, I said this when I started the show, some consistent offensive, offensive move where he can hit...
3: Now, with, with the threes when I gave can, you that like,
2: look? Shoot a bunch of threes and make him out of 35% rate, like, shoot five takes a game, or can he, you know, yeah, yeah, can yeah. he get the ball and post him and he can do what bonus does and Back guy down and hit him off the. Just top, making out, sure the kitchen didn't layup.
3: burn down. I'm so sorry that I wasn't paying attention no, to the beginning. No,
2: Yeah, so I mean, that, um, that's what he, that, If he does that, he all of a sudden becomes a whole different player. I'm just afraid he won't be able to do that. Why? That's because he hasn't done it yet. At some point, at some point, you are the player you are, right? Yeah. You know, every year you can say oh, you can do this. You so you would have thing.
3: expected him to do that once, like Vic was gone. Well, you, he's in like, year.
2: He's entering year five. Usually, guys, year one. You see some glimmer of hope, which you saw with Turner. Year two, you see an improvement, which you saw with Turner. Then, but like, year, year three, three, or like three or four, you see you kind of this growth. You see this, usually, you make a big leap in year three or four. You see this well, no, because <laughs> because he's 23. So, usually, an NBA player, they come when they're 19 if they're young like him. They're not they're, they're not very strong. They need to get stronger. They need to work out. They develop, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, they, so that's what they do the first year.
3: Unless you're Zion.
2: Well, Zion's, a, very well, Zion's a once in a generation talent. Um oh, crush me. Then, the second year, you need a guy to develop.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Some kind of game, like offensively, some kind of move. That's what they do. They develop that. Then by year three, they you, put both yeah. together and they jump a level. You have a- that happened to Paul George and all that stuff. Yeah, it was. Um, that that's what he did. So.
3: But I mean, he's also been hurt. Like. Yeah. So that
2: that was my thought. Year three, he was hurt constantly. Maybe it happens year four. This was the first year to he play healthy, and we didn't really see that leap offensively. We saw a leap defensively, but not offensively. Yeah. He stayed kind of, really honestly, more like he was. Well, I guess more he was his second year. But it was a very steady year. I mean, look at points per game. I mean, that's a kind of a – not a great to always look at. But it was like he went up to 14.5 year 2, then down to 12.7, up to 13.3. So he's somewhere in the middle between his year 2 and year 3 level player. Um, Shooting-wise, better percentages for sure, but not that much better than year 3. So he, I feel like he is the player he is going forward, which is not which is fine. He's, he's still a good enough player, but he's just not one of those, you know, world-moving type of NBA but players. But do
3: you need – like obviously not everyone on your team can, no, and not everyone in the league can be like that like you already have someone that you would consider is
2: so I think I think Turner is your best player He's your, is best in your team if you're your third or fourth best player you need two guys who can make create their own do their own thing and you need a third guy who understands his role but is good still and can be kind of Whatever, and that's that's Turner's best role. Turner, I think at one point we thought Turner could be the number two dollar depot,
1: but yeah. I think at this point
2: Turner's best option is, is number three, even maybe number four. You bring in two really good guys, because even this year I would say that that Bojan might have surpassed him in terms of level. I mean, he might have. So Bojan, that's Bojan. offensively was amazing. So,
3: but I get like in terms of what you need from. Uh, the people listening are like you're already explaining things that we already know um but what do you value more like five offensive players that are mediocre on defense or like well that's the
2: point that's why his stats that's you have there are unmeasurable and it's kind of that's so, the problem so
3: then why is that not like
2: it's good but to be an MVP, you have to be good at both, at both offense yeah. and defense or extraordinarily good at one. at one where Turner is really, he's really good, good, but good, but he's, he's not extraordinarily yeah, really good. I mean, Rudy Gobert is a player. He's not great offensively, but he's an extraordinary defensive player. Yeah, it can be. He can pick his spots defensively. Turner is still not quite there. Now, maybe Turner becomes an extraordinary defensive player next season. And that's the difference.
3: But like, would you say Boyan is extraordinary? No, but that's but, but but, but
2: Bojan is where Turner was at off <laughs> okay. uh, on the offensive. soon,
3: yeah, in a quicker time period. Yeah.
2: So I mean, that's the thought. Okay. I, um, I still like Turner going into next year. I think he's going to be a good player. I think he can improve a little bit on the margins. And I think they'll bring in somebody to be that number two role next year, next to Oladipo. And we'll see if Turner, because Turner's really good at fitting into his spots and yeah. playing his role. So maybe he'll find his comfort. I think he has good com- chemistry. Yeah, I think he'll find his comfort spot at the number three spot behind, whether it is Oladipo and a Mike Connolly or a Drew Holiday. I think that might have to win. No, thanks to the lottery. but um, Or somebody else. Whoever so that figured out to be the number two guy, I think that's what's going to ultimately happen. Um, Marina, thanks for coming on. <sighs> You can follow Marina at Marina Higuera.
3: Yeah, I tweeted about the podcast earlier.
2: Oh, she like did. Like five
3: minutes ago. All right, no, well, listen to like, well,
2: the podcast. It happened yesterday.
3: Oh, wait, yeah, 24 hours. No, wait, no, like 12 hours and five minutes ago. Yes, probably. I tweeted this. She tweeted that at
2: 8.44 Central Time, uh, so check that out. Uh, you can a, follow no. the podcast at Locked On Pacers. You can follow me at freedmanadam 5
3: five minutes ago. <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> you
2: can follow me at Freedom and Adam 5 that is all for the Locked On Podcast. Tony and I will be back on Monday with our weekly show. We're now, the great Hey,
0: Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad free on Amazon Music.